Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I have a wonderful gentleman named Shiraz. And it's going to be a fun episode because he talks about letting go of the business stories that are hindering you from getting clients and customers. Now, he's an award-winning author. He's an international speaker. And, oh, I like this. This is delicious author to authority wording, a realty reality shifting specialist. And you know what? I, I love that. I love those titles. That's so awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Shiraz. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. So Shiraz, tell us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit about your backstory. So for me, one of the biggest realizations I had on what's going on and why business can't be as big as it is it should be came from dealing with racism. And I I present as both black and Indian. And so I had the wonderful privilege of getting both black and Indian racial slurs growing up. And for the most part things were good, but it would just pop up every now and then. But but then when I started traveling, everything took a turn. Yes. A trip I was coming back to the home from to Canada from Rio. I got stopped at the airport and this guy said, you need to come over here. I have to ask you some questions. And I'm with a bunch of friends and they're all white. And I said, guys, we have to go answer some questions. He goes, no, not them, just you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then I got asked all these extra questions. Eventually they let me through. But then every time I traveled, whether I flew, when I was traveling through Europe via train, when I crossed the border to the U.S. via car, yeah. More questions, luggage searched, vehicle searched. And the one time when I was in Madrid, in Spain, of all places, I was I was standing by a fountain, a public fountain with all these tourists. And they pulled me out of the crowd and threw me in a wagon then threw another black guy and another black guy eventually took us all to jail. And then they did the strip search, which was actually the best part, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Because nearby, there was a holding cell with the uh, ladies of the night. And they had a view of all of us getting strip searched. And it was supposed to be this humiliating, demeaning thing where we had to like even crouch to get the cavity search. But I was in really good shape. So when my clothes came off, it was like, woo, baby. Yeah. All right. (laughs) And the other, other guys didn't get that. It was just me. So I'm like. This is good. I like this. This is not so bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because I'm I'm half black, half white, and as a child, I presented more black, and now I present more white. Uh, but my dad is full black and Canadian. We're Canadian, right? Like it's it's a different environment here. 
Um, but back in the 60s, my dad, who grew up in a white neighborhood, right, mm-hmm. all of his friends were white, um, they decided to go down to the southern states together. You know, so oh, him yeah. and all of his white friends. <laughs> and uh, my dad was arrested for walking on the sidewalk with white people. Mm-hmm. He was put in handcuffs and manacles. Now, thankfully, his friends, you know, were wise. They got a hold of the Canadian embassy really quickly Mm -hmm. um, because who knows where my dad would have been or if I even would have been born. But, you know, the Canadian embassy got involved. So my dad in handcuffs and manacles was driven from state border to state border to state border to the border crossing at Niagara Falls. Wow. The New York State police, he says, He says, please just don't do that again. (laughs) Just don't do that again. He says, in the handcuff and manacles. He says, I know better. I know you were just a dumb Canadian down there walking with white people, right? (laughs) You know, and and takes them all out, pens and back all of his ID. And he, you know, he walks across the, you know. Yeah. (laughs) But I I get it, you know, especially me being mixed. You know, I didn't just get. The white ones, I've, you know, I got everything because mm-hmm. I was both. So I, I understand where you're coming from, that it's not an easy place. It's not. I mean, and the thing is, even growing up in Canada, because we moved to an affluent white neighborhood, we were the only black family there. If When the cops drove by there, like they would pull me over because mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, I live here. No, you don't. <laughs> And what was funny, though, is my mom, one night I used to walk my dog at night because then it was late enough that people weren't around. I could let her off the leash and she'd be okay. And my mom got worried about me. She said, I don't like you going out that late at night. What if you get mugged? And I'm like, mom, I'm the black guy in a white neighborhood. I'm the mugger. (laughs) They they, they walk around me. They give me a wide berth. It's all good. Well, you know, it's funny, even like growing up in Canada, like I'm kind of surprised because, you know, I never I never really saw that, you know, where I lived in, in Toronto. It, it people didn't really seem to care either way. So I'm kind of surprised to hear that. This was this was in Lauren Park, Mississauga. Mm, okay. We were the first black family to move there. Right. And it's yeah. a really rich neighborhood. So it was just weird. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, the people were all great. I didn't have any problem with racism from the neighborhood. It was just the cops. Yeah. 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 So, but anyways, the, um, this hit me, this, this affected me. And what I didn't realize is every time it happened, it lowered my ambitions and my self-esteem just a bit. Mm, Never in a big enough way that I noticed what was happening. I just thought this was normal. This is what you just go through. This is what life is like. And so I, cont- I continued going through this and I would be telling people the stories about, oh, and this time I, they went through all my stuff in my car. And, and eventually I was talking to one of my coaches and he said, like, Shiraz, are you done with this story? And I looked at him, I said, racism wow. isn't a story. It's real. And he goes, racism's real. But the way it's affecting you, specifically when you cross borders, that's a story. Yes. Right. Yeah. And. My whole job as a coach is uncovering the stories people are running that are keeping you stuck, that are hindering you, that are keeping you from living your best life. And one thing I found is whenever there's a story, there is a benefit to the story. And so when my coach told me that, yeah, that's it. Like every story has a benefit to it. Even if it sucks, there's a benefit to it somewhere. And 
So I, I told, I, I said to him, I said, look, every story has a benefit. What's the benefit in me getting harassed, getting stripped, getting delayed, all the stuff. He goes, Shiraz, whenever you tell that story, your eyes light up. You love telling those stories. You love the reaction people have to your stories. You've made this define who you are. And that's what you're getting out of it. And I thought about it. I went, oh, my God. Hey, a bunch of ladies of the night cheering you on. There's nothing like that to boost your ego a little bit. Yeah. And so I decided I was done. I was done with that story. And since then, that was seven years ago. I travel a lot. I haven't been stopped at any border ever since then. And the other thing I found out is, did you know that there are non-white customs agents? Right? Because I was unconsciously lining myself up to the racist agents without knowing it. Right? You know, it's so, funny you say that. It, it's, it's not exactly the same, but, you know, as a child and into adulthood, I'd go anywhere with mosquitoes. So outside of Toronto. Uh, <laughs> and I'd get attacked. Okay. Like I'd be covered. And my dad always called me sweet meat. And I carried that on into adulthood. And then, you know, one day, like I live in cottage country. I'm surrounded by woods. Mosquitoes are every single day from spring to fall. And, you know, I was sitting there one day and I'm thinking, why am I calling myself sweet meat? Like, do I really want these mosquitoes to be attacking me all the time? So I kind of changed the narrative. I started telling myself that I got sour blood. They don't like me. And, and I don't know whether just physically I gave off a different smell or whatever, but I found, I mean, I still got bit, but I wasn't being like constantly yep. attacked all the time. Plus, I also found a really well-working insect repellent. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I said, I'm not sweet meat anymore. Yeah. My blood is sour to you. <laughs> <laughs> But this is it. When you're when you're ready to be out of the story, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I I work with with because uh, I work with a lot of coaches and, and healers, and they've gone through these struggles. Most coaches yes. have gone through a story of struggle, and even though they've been empowered to coach as a result, a lot of them are still stuck in some of those stories. Yes, which means they're not striving for as much as they can be, but they don't even know it. They just think this is how hard it is. Yeah, I I find that, too, with my clients, like I'm a publisher. Right. So I find that sometimes with my clients when we're writing their books and I I tell my clients, you know, you do not. We're not going to write any story of your life that you're not healed from. Yes. If you're not healed from it, it's not going from in the book. Yeah. Because it doesn't have the power. And that's it. It's was it someone said, tell, tell the story from the, from the uh, when you have the scar, not the wound. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. So what are some ways that people can assess whether they're telling these stories and how do you change them? Well, number one, if you're constantly telling stories of your adversity to people, you're benefiting from the telling of those stories. Mm. Right? You're yeah. enjoying it. You may not realize you're enjoying it. You may hate the adversity, but you're enjoying the telling of it. So you have to keep creating the adversity so you can keep telling it. And any story you're caught up in, even, even if you're not telling it, if it's happening over and over again, 
then there is a benefit or there is something horrible you're imagining is going to happen if you get out of the story. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So authors, especially I've worked with a bunch of authors and they, you know, getting them to finish the book. All right. Why haven't you finished it? Well, you said you can have these chapters and something came up. I got, right. And I, I worked with a few of them and I said, okay, so let's just imagine the book is done and it's out there. And I watched their whole body language change and they're saying, Oh, that's great. Now it's out there and, and I can use it. But their body language is like, Oh God, no, no. And the fear is it's out there. People are going to read it. What if they hate it? What if they put the reviews on Amazon? This, this is a piece of crap. And because they're already projecting that before they're finished writing the book, they're not writing the book because then they can't have that reality come to pass. So I have a piece of truth that's going to set every single person who has that fear. Mm-hmm. You are going to get at least one of those on Amazon. I will guarantee it because people don't always read the book description before they buy your book. <laughs> and even worse, there's haters. Yeah. There's people who hate you who will intentionally go on Amazon and leave a one-star review. So I just tell my clients, don't worry about it. If you've got one bad one-star review and the person's written in such a way that everyone who knows and likes you, everyone who has read the book realizes this is just, it actually increases your credibility. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the way it goes. <laughs> just the way it goes. What I've found is people tend to go by the numbers instead of the percent. Yes. Because it's like, oh, 10 people hate me. That hurts. A hundred people hate me. Oh my God, that hurts even more. But if 10 people hate you because a hundred people love you, or even let's say a thousand people love you and 10 people hate you, then you want a thousand, 10,000 people to hate you because that means that so many people are just reading your stuff. Yeah, actually it was, I, Back when I was first publishing books, you know, I, I'd read every review and I get caught up. And and then afterwards, it just became a game to me. And I'd read I'd read the bad reviews and I'd be like. Like, did you even read the book description before you bought the book? Because you're complaining that the book is about this certain topic when the title of the book is that certain topic? Like I started looking, I started laughing at them. I'm like, and then people would start voting them down. It's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Love you. <ya. laughs> right? So you also are an author. And so we've only got a few minutes left. So I want to just switch gears for a minute here. Um, tell me about your book. I, I'd love to hear more about it. Okay. It's, it's right there. It's called How to Rewrite Reality. And it's basically an instruction manual on how to do that. It's done in story metaphor. So we talk about your backstory. We talk about the genre of your life, your supporting characters, the plot twists that have happened to you, and then how to drive the narrative to your advantage and how to get to your happily ever after. Nice. And nice. Yep, it, just, it was funny because it's just all this stuff came while I was writing the book. Like some of the concepts in there weren't there when I decided to write the book. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah. So he, 
I'm not sure if you're going to be able to answer this question, but this is the question I ask every author who comes on the show because I want to show people the truth about publishing the book. So what was the good, the bad, and then the ugly of publishing that book? Okay. Uh, the good was that I got it published. Mm -hmm. The bad was that I hadn't learned all about the pre-marketing of the book before getting it published to get it up to number one bestseller, to, to, to get it out there in the right way. Uh, it was funny because my, my book actually got to number one on Amazon, but it was for spiritual fiction. I'm like, it's not fiction. <laughs> Why is it ranking in fiction? <laughs> what the hell is that? But it's still technically an Amazon bestseller now. <laughs> so that that was that was an issue. And um, the ugly was just uh, learning about getting it out there. Like when I put it out, I did it through a, a company and they said, well, we'll do everything for you. We'll get it up on Amazon. We'll 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 take care of it. But I'm I'm a little bit of a control freak. So when it was out, it's on their system. So I want to check sales. And the only way I could check sales is to email them and have them send me a report rather than just go online and check it. And if I want to do price changes and stuff, I didn't have any control over that. And, and so that was, that was something I didn't expect to happen and to deal with. So yeah, yeah if, if yeah. you're, some people like it that way. Some people don't want to have to deal with any of that, but me, I, I like being able to get into everything. Well, here's the thing. If you're an entrepreneur, professional speaker, coach, you need to have hundred percent control of your book. Otherwise, mm -hmm. how can you use it properly to build your business? Yeah. Right. So for me as a publisher, one of the things I do is I hold no rights to my clients' books. Mm -hmm. They pay me for the service of helping them write and edit and format and all that. And we create amazing relationships with each other but I take no revenue from their books, no royalties, and I have no copyright. And I tell them that I tell them you keep a hundred percent, whatever else you do with this book in the future, do not let anyone take away any of your copyright so that yeah. you can well, do what you need to do. Yeah. I still have all the, the rights. I just don't have the access. That's the thing. We have to do a whole switch over on Amazon. Um, one, one of the very cool things about the book though, is I actually got to talk to Jack Canfield directly. Uh, and about the book and we, we recorded the interview. And so there's a quote from him on the book, uh, but right after we turned off the camera and finished, he was, he was shaking my hand and he looks at me, he goes, you're a really good looking guy. And I'm like, wait, are we still recording? I, I want, that was Jack Canfield. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it on the back. There's all these testimonials. And then this quote from Jack Canfield, you're a really good looking guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Shiraz, we've got to tie things up here. If people have, have been listening and they've been enjoying it, how can they connect with you? You can connect with me at energeticmagic.com. There's energetic magic up there. And yeah, that's my website. You can find out more about me. You can book an appointment to have a talk with me and get to know me and go from there. Awesome. So this has been Shiraz and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. 
I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.